us love him again. a blessing. Help us that we can help somebody tonight. Draw all of our hearts, all of our hearts closer to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to thank Brother Kenny and the district board for asking me to come and be with you. I've always enjoyed and looked forward to coming to the Louisiana district. And I appreciate the good churches, the good uh, ministers here, wonderful saints of God. It's always a blessing to me to get to be with you. I uh, miss uh, certain faces that we've seen around here through the years. We never know from one year to the next what changes will take place. I miss seeing a tall, fine man, Brother Ewing, was probably here last year. I miss Brother Wiegner, these fine men that have helped make your district what it is. Don't ever let the memory of these fine men die. And I know that you won't, because the Louisiana district is very careful along those lines. I appreciate Brother Kenny. I I really love this fine man. We've worked close together through the years. We've shared so many things in our burden for the work of God. It's just a real blessing to me to be with him. You have a good leader. God has blessed you with a good leader. He really has. And I appreciate my general superintendent. He is my general superintendent. And I have a special love in my heart for Brother Urchin, and I pray for him. I believe if ever a man was in the will of God, Brother Urchin is in the will of God as our general superintendent. He's doing wonderful things, and God has blessed him and used him to lead this great organization. I believe in these very last days, at the day and hour of the coming of the Lord, God has raised up the earth and with a special ministry and a special anointing to be a blessing to all of us. He has believed in revival all these years. He's preached it in camp meeting all these years. And God has brought him to the forefront, a leader who believes in revival, believes in the power of God. And I appreciate a man who loves our truth like he does. He could have told you a lot of other things. And when the news of our decision to uh, ask our superintendent to go to Russia took place, it hit the front page of the St. Louis newspaper. And it spread all over the country and all over the world. He received long-distance calls from other countries. And even the Reader's Digest requested that uh, for permission to send some of their reporters along with Brother Urshan to Russia. 
gaining a lot of national publicity and attention through all of this. And uh, God has been good to the United Pentecostal Church. We want to do all we can, while we can, because the door is going to be closed before long. Did I say something wrong? Do you believe it? Do you feel what I feel? A couple of weeks ago, uh, for two or three days, I felt we were on a little rest. My good wife and myself were taking a little vacation, a little rest, uh, preaching rest, you know, preaching every opportunity. You can't, you, where could you go in a Pentecostal church to rest? They look at you back there and they say, you belong up here. And uh, we, we know the Lord sent you here tonight so you could preach to us. So I preached, uh, I only preached five times, though, in those two weeks, so it wasn't too bad. One of our preachers one time took a vacation. He told his wife, said, now, we're going to a little place way out in West Texas. Nobody's going to know us. He grew a mustache, and uh, I'm not, I'm not, here to, to say that's right or wrong. I'm going to let you judge that. And uh, he put on a sports shirt on Sunday morning and took his family. Well, if you take your wife with you to a, to a Pentecostal church, that's a dead giveaway because she looks so Pentecostal anyhow. So this, he said this pastor kept looking around and looking around and finally said, I believe that's Brother J.T. Pugh sitting way back there. <laughs> he said, I want Brother Pugh to come up here and preach this morning. Mustache, sports shirt and all. But uh, we were doing some studying, a lot of reading, and I, I began to feel a build-up, something within me. She said, what's wrong? I said, I, I just feel a spirit of destiny in my heart. I don't know what's wrong. I, I just feel it. I, don't, I can't uh, imagine what's happening, but I know that some things are taking place. God help us in this hour. We are the church of destiny. That's right. We are the church of destiny, and this thing is winding up. God help us to do all we can while we can. I have promised myself I'd spend myself and be spent. I'll wring myself out. I'll do everything I can, what little that is. I'll do everything I can to promote the work of God in these last days. Do you really love the Lord tonight? Do you really love him? Praise God. Bless his wonderful name. I'm reading tonight, you can remain seated, from the book of Revelation, chapter 13. Revelation, chapter 13. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns upon his horns, ten crowns upon his head, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, 
And all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things, and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name, and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And, and power was given him over all kindreds, and tongues, and nations. Think about the power this man is going to have. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose name, not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. I'm going back to verse 6 and choosing a thought from verse 6. Opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. If the Lord will help me, I'd like to preach a little while tonight on the reason that the beast will blaspheme the name of God. What is that name? David said in 2 Samuel 7, 26, And let the name, let thy name be magnified forever. Again, Psalm 34, 3, O come, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Malachi 1 and 11, My name shall be great among the Gentiles. Malachi 4 and 2, To you that Fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. John 5, 43, I am come in my Father's name. Acts 3 and 16, his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man whole. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name, Given under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. What is that name? Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and hath given him a name that is above every name, that is the name of Every knee should bow things in heaven and things under the earth, in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thank God for that wonderful name. It's easy for us to know why that the beast and the devil, the false prophet, the Antichrist, hates the name of Jesus. We know there are two great, mighty, and powerful forces that work in this world tonight. The forces of good and the forces of evil. We can see that everywhere we look. It's written on the pages of our newspapers. It's written in the world. In this spirit world, there are two great forces and operations, principalities and powers, 
rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places, battling against that eternal spirit of God and the name of Jesus Christ. All of the good angels are battling against the bad angels and the bad angels battling against the good angels. Wickedness everywhere you look. But I refuse to be completely pessimistic. I know that greater is he that dwells in us. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Rest assured, that will happen. It is happening, and it will continue to happen. I know that there is a restraining force in this world that holds back the man of sin. He's, we know that the power of the Antichrist is all around us. We feel it in the air. It's in the atmosphere. The spirit of iniquity that's already worked, but only he who now let us will it until he's taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed. We know there is a great restraining force in this world today, and we're glad that we're a part of it. I don't know how powerful the devil is. I don't like to magnify him in any way. I just know that he's powerful, but I also know that he's not all powerful. I know that he's mighty, he's got a long string of victories, but I know that he's not almighty. Amen. I know that he's won a lot of victories, but he's lost a lot of battles. I know that. I know that he is present, but he is not omnipresent. That's reserved to almighty God. I know that Satan is the prince of this world, but he doesn't own it. He's going to have to give it up someday. We're going to take over someday. Hallelujah. The Lamb's going to lay down with the lion. And it'll be peace. These uh, freeways will have billboards. God is great and greatly to be praised. No liquor signs out there. There'll be no, uh, no booze houses. There'll be no trouble. Uh, friend, there'll be no jail houses. I don't think we're going to need it if the lion, if God takes the roar and the bite out of the lion surely can take it out of the hearts of men. So I think it's going to be a glorious place, a great place. I'm looking forward to that. The Bible tells us that if we will be faithful here and prepare, my old daddy used to tell me, son, I'll not be here to see a lot of things take place, but you will. He used to tell me about all the things that I would see. And uh, I've lived to see them come to pass. And uh, he said, study your Bible. Learn as much about the Word as you can because the bride of Christ is going to be the ruling body in the millennial reign of Christ. We will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. Praise God. Brother Mangan's always wanted to be the ruler over Alexandria. God's going to give him Alexandria plus. He'll be the mayor over all of it, probably. And uh, there'll be a lot of good things take place. My imagination starts running wild when I just start thinking about it. All the good things that are reserved and prepared for the bride of Christ. That should make us want to be faithful, be steadfast, and be true. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
It all belongs to him. It all rests in his hand. Don't worry about all the trouble that's going on in the world today. According to God's holy word, everything's going to finally, eventually, turn out all right. Thank God. It's up to us just to line ourselves up in God's program. Get with it. Keep on a-giving. Keep on a-working. Keep on a-praying. Keep on a-coming to campground. Keep on giving a cheese for Christ, Christmas for Christ, all of these beautiful programs, foreign missions. Do all that we can while we can. Amen. Someday it's all going to be over, and God is with his people. I have no doubt about that. The Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word, the Lord working with them, and I believe he's still working with the church today. He's still with us. I feel his presence. I told my wife I have felt a special anointing that I have not felt in a long time, and I don't intend to lose it. I'm going to keep on praying. I want to go from victory to victory and from faith to faith. I want to feel a mighty anointing. The Bible said that there were times the Spirit of God moved upon Samson, and then there were times the Spirit moved mightily upon him. I believe we're living in that day. If we live close to God, we can feel a mighty anointing of the Spirit. We can feel a mighty move of the Holy Ghost, a mighty demonstration of the power of God that will take place. I am believing tonight that in the supernatural, the Lord is still working with us, and he's still confirming his word, and signs will still follow when his name is preached. Well, glory to God. I don't think you need to fear and worry about backsliding. The devil can't make you backslide, and that's one reason he's going to blaspheme the name of God. Because the children of God have found out their strength and power and victory and help and healing and deliverance and everything else in that name. They're going to rediscover the power of that name. These last days, we're going to open up new avenues that's going to help us to know the power of the name of Jesus will prevail over all of the power of the enemy. No, the devil cannot make you backslide. You're of God, little children, and have overcome him because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being in deceived. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And then again, Romans 5, 20, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above, above that you're able, but will with every temptation make a way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. The margin of my Bible says, God will make the issue also. When the temptation comes, God's standing there to make the issue. According to Webster's Dictionary, an issue is a debate with a point at stake. Here's the devil on one side, the Lord on the other side. You're right in, in the very middle, and you become that issue, that point at stake. 
And the devil says he'll fail you. The Lord says, I'm his great intercessor. He will not fail. I've given him all the equipment, all the tools, all the help that he needs. He will not fail. That's what, uh, and he says, I'll set the limitations. You can only go so far. Then don't worry. The Lord's not going to leave you when you're tested going through the fire and the furnace and having trouble. The Lord's right there. Job was one of those when uh, the devil said, oh, yeah, I know he fears you. I know he's perfect. I know he's upright. But he fears you for naught. He's got everything he has. You've got a hedge about him, and nobody can get to him. And look at all of his possessions. He said, if you'll let me take everything he's got, he'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said, you can take what he has, but you cannot touch his flesh. You see, God sets the limitations. You say, I've gone as far as I can go. No, you haven't. The Lord is always there to help you. Amen. Because he sets the limitations. He's not going to allow you to go too far. He's not going to allow the devil to go too far. Don't worry about backsliding. Worry, worry about getting close to God and living where God wants you to live. Job lost everything, and the devil said, yeah, but skin for skin, let me touch his flesh, and a man will give everything he's got for his own flesh. The Lord said, all right, you can touch his skin, but you cannot take his life. You see how God puts the limitations on everything, and he fixes it just so that we uh, can go through anything that comes our way. And so Job said, Naked came I into the world, naked shall I return. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Quit using that name. Quit referring to it. That's my strength. That's my help. That's my power. That's my victory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. James 1, 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. The only way the devil can really get to any of us is through our five senses. That's why our eyes have got to stay consecrated. We've got to be careful at the things we look at. We've got to be careful at the things that we hear. Jesus said, Take heed how you hear. And so we better watch ourselves that the devil cannot creep in through one of the five senses. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, and lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. I'm here to tell you tonight, at this very moment, there is an invasion from hell. We picked up the Miami newspaper, and my wife called my attention to an article on the front page. Doomsday party, doomsday party. I've got it somewhere. And uh, this was on the very front page of the paper. Join us Wednesday in Crandon Park party for the end of the world. This was the day of the Jupiter effect. And the editor says the doomsday dawn party we're giving is all set for pre-dawn next Wednesday at parking lot one in Crandon Park. Be on hand for the end of the world. We're going to have a great time. Everything's shaping up nicely. But this past week has brought some differences of opinion as to the precise hour the world will end. 
a mystic, a Miami mystic uh, by the name of Richard Harris Gray, says, I saw the whole scene that appeared before me, Harris said. It was cataclysmic, holes appearing in the earth, buildings being swallowed up, and he says, it's going to be a great day. We're going to have a great party down on the beach. We're getting 75 to 100 calls a day about the situation, and it should be really a great turnout. For the first time in anybody's lifetime, the planets in our solar system will be lying on one side of the sun, and so forth. And uh, Doomsday 1982 is what it's going to be, the end of the world. But we're going to have a party, and uh, we need a lot of instruments, and we need a couple of bands, and we need somebody that can play the trumpet to play Gabriel's part to sound the trumpet announcing the end of the world. But he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to dance and we're going to drink and we're going to shout and we're going to have a party and we're going to raise hell at the end of the world. That's what you think, buddy. You're not about to. The party's going to be over someday. The fun and games are going to cease. Everything's going to come to a screeching halt. Amen. They got on a ship one time that was unthinkable, and they had the band playing, and the music was going, and there was gaiety and laughter and drinking and party, but all of a sudden it hit an iceberg, and they didn't go out raising hell, I'll tell you now. They didn't go out hooping and hollering it up and said, we're at the end of the world, we're going to drown now. No, the band began to play nearer, my God, to thee. The party's going to be over someday. The fun and laughter's going to cease someday. Amen. It's going to come to a screeching halt. Live it up now out there in the world. But remember, it's going to be over someday. It was in Noah's day. It came to a halt. It was in Lot's day. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it also be. There was a time they had a party in Belshazzar's palace and a lot of drinking and carousing and corruption. Oh, yes, they were raising uh, their uh, good time. But about that time, a hand appeared on the wall and began to announce doomsday. There was no more laughing. There was no more partying. It was all over, friend. And it's going to be over someday. This old world's going to be on fire. And the earth's going to be wrapped in flame. But I know something that's going to live on. I know something that's going to shout on. I know something that I've got hold of tonight that's going to live forever. God's word will never fail. His church will never fail. His name will never fail. His saints will never fail. God's got a church that's moving forward. It's not one step behind the plan and the program of God. It's right in step. It's keeping up. It's shouting the victory. It's preaching the gospel. It's baptizing believers. It's having revival. And there's a mighty move and a mighty outpouring of the Spirit that's taking place. Hallelujah. In trouble, but when you read the book of Revelation, 
we don't wonder why. Revelation 16 says in the last days, there will be spirits that will come out of hell. Unclean spirits like frogs. And they're going to fill the earth. And the Bible says they are spirits of devils. But the Bible says, Revelation, the ninth chapter says, there will be a release of evil spirits covering the earth like locusts. A cloud, like a cloud. Instead of a cloud, it's locusts. Power in their tails to torment men. What a time this world is headed for. But the Bible says they cannot hurt those who have the seal of God. 2 Timothy 3.19, Nevertheless, the kingdom of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are here. Aren't you glad he does? That's the most important thing that the Lord knows. Doesn't matter if no one else knows. Doesn't matter at all. Just so the Lord knows. The Lord knows them that are his. He knows your address. He knows where you're living. You're still with us. Thank God. Don't look down. Don't be discouraged. Don't sing the blues. This is the time for the church to look up, if it ever did, in all of its life. Ephesians 1.13, after you believe the gospel, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4 and 30, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Well, no wonder the beast will blaspheme the name of God. I tried to get at those Pentecostal preachers, and they had a, uh, they had a hedge about them. Something protected them. What it really was was the shield of faith. That's the shield that protects the soul. Thank God. And uh, we've got it. So he hates uh, God's preachers. I know that it's magnified once in a while, and one happens to slip and fall. And we weep over it. We do. We weep when we think that one has left the fold. But I'm here to tell you, for every one that falls, there are 10,000 others that are not going to fall. Hallelujah. God's going to have a bride. Well, I think he's going to blaspheme the name of God because he was defeated at every turn of the road. Luke chapter 4, the devil's cry was, leave us alone. Don't come and pester us, torment us. So do you come to, uh, to destroy us before our time? They cried out, leave us alone. Now that's the cry of devils. I hope and pray the church never has that cry. I hope you never get to the place where you say, I wish, wish that preacher would leave me alone. I wish those people would leave me alone. If they do, something is wrong. That's the cry of demons. Leave us alone. But in Acts, the 16th chapter, it was another cry. It took on another tone. It was in a more deceitful voice as it cried out following Paul and Silas down the streets of Philippi, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They show us the way of salvation. 
That, uh, that cry was deceitful. And somebody said, why didn't Paul the very first day turn around and cast it out of that woman? He had to wait for the right time. When the right time came, don't you get in a hurry because the man of God doesn't take things in control when you think he ought to. He's waiting for a certain feeling. When he gets a certain feeling, when he hears a certain voice, he's not afraid of every demon in hell and out of hell. He stands in the pulpit like a giant. He doesn't have to have anybody standing by him. He's heard from heaven. He could be like Paul on the ship. There stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whom I, whose I am and whom I serve, gave me the assurance and the promise. So don't worry about it when things don't happen as quick as you think it ought to. He hasn't heard that still small voice. But when God begins to speak to his heart, you can rest assured that something will take place. Finally, Paul just turned around, commanded the spirit to come out of that girl. Well, the devil got mad. They were beaten. Did you ever stop to think what took place in one day's journey with Paul and Silas? They, got, they started out by casting out a devil and then getting beaten with many stripes and hauled before the magistrates and then put in a prison and feet and legs uh, locked in bonds and, and at midnight had a song service and a prayer meeting and they went through an earthquake and stopped the man from killing himself and then got him saved and baptized him all in one day. Amen. Paul said when he wrote to Timothy that scripture was to us. Bodily exercise profited little. We need it, but if you'd lived in Paul's day and went through all that in one day, I don't think you'd need an exercise machine. You wouldn't need that bicycle to ride on at night. You had to walk like he did every place to preach. That was a lot of good exercise, wasn't it? He wrote to us, bodily exercise, profit a little. So you go ahead and get that little bit. But, old friend, I like the Apostle Paul. I like his attitude. I like that positive faith that he had. I like that quiet confidence that he had in God. Oh, what a man. What a missionary. What a lover of the work of God. He said, oh, I have one desire, that I may know him. That was his consuming, burdening, burning desire. He wanted to know Jesus. It's not a matter of what James Kildor is doing. It's what is Jesus doing. It's not what the campground doing it's what the Lord is doing. Let's keep it all in the right perspective. Now the Lord will let you build anything you want to around these campgrounds and he'll let you build a church as big as you want to build it as long as you put him first. As long as he's the head of the body and the savior of the world. As long as men will know when they walk in that building it's not what the preacher's doing it's what the Lord's doing there. So let's move with him. Hallelujah. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. I love him tonight. Praise God. And I know one thing, we could do nothing without him. Not one thing. We've got to have his help in everything. Don't you ever forget that. You can get all the ability in the world, all the training in the world, but you better, with all you're getting, you better get the power of God too. You better keep that certain feeling, that anointing, that move of the Holy Ghost. 
That blessing of the Lord. You better have that if you don't have anything else. A man sat in my office Monday, wanted to get acquainted with me, one of the ladies in our church, and he's a graduate of one of the largest Trinitarian colleges, probably the largest Trinitarian college in the United States. And so I asked him, I said, uh, sir, if you don't mind, I want to ask you a personal question. I said, uh, I noticed eight or ten years ago your church group was identical to ours and their standard of holiness. The ladies looked holiness, the men looked holiness, they acted it, and uh, then I noticed there began to be a change, and I slipped into one of your conferences in Dallas a couple of years ago, and I noticed there are two standards now. Uh, there are those that are still trying to hold on, but it looks like they're losing the battle. I said, would you tell me why that happened? He said it started on our college campus. He said that's where it started. He said the, the girls and the women wanted to cut their hair and wear blue jeans. And they kept pounding away until the president of the college gave his permission and said once it hit the college campus, it spread through all of our churches. And he said now there is no way we can stop it. <coughs> I believe there is a group of people, though, that's going to keep holding the line. I really do. I really do. I believe there's a group of people that's going to live it and going to love it. I want to I tell you this. God's not the author of confusion. There are too many confused minds. There's too much confusion among some of our young people. And it's not the young people that are praying through in our churches. It's many of those that were raised up on a Pentecostal bench. They are questioning everything. Those that are praying through, they think they've arrived to heaven. They think they've already got inside the pearly gates. They've never seen anything like Pentecost. They're always right up the front. They're the last ones at the altar. You talk about all night prayer meeting, they get, get up and jump up and down. They get excited about it. They want to be a part of everything that's going on, and whatever you tell them to do, they're ready to do it. I challenge the young people here tonight that was raised up in Pentecost. You grew up on a Pentecostal bench. I challenge you to get it in your heart and love it like they love it and feel it like they feel it and have the willingness and the obedience that they have. And if you can get it, and we can bring these two factions together. I'm telling you, we will have the fire of God in revival like you've never seen it. We drop that in for good measure. Devil cries, leave us alone. Then it will change. These men are the servants of the Most High God. And then it will take on another form in Acts 19. It was a questioning voice. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Oh, we heard about that name that Paul used. You better do more than hear about it. You better have it down deep in your heart. You better have it stamped on your soul. You better eat it and sleep it and love it and breathe it and uh, love it all over again. Those old-timers, everything they did was in the name of Jesus. They wouldn't take a step without saying, in Jesus' name, 
they concluded everything in Jesus' name. They walked the streets in Jesus' name. They got up in the morning in Jesus' name. They lived in the power of that name. Oh, and I believe in the last days there's going to be people that's going to get a hold of it again. They're going to love it again. They're going to breathe it. The air they breathe will be in Jesus' name. Everything will be done in Jesus' name. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Those old timers just come around our home. You felt like a prophet of God had walked in the house. They didn't talk about anybody. They didn't criticize anybody. They didn't say, have you heard the latest? It was a prayer meeting. They wasn't there just a few minutes till they was in a red-hot prayer meeting. And uh, get ready for dinner. Mother only fixed two meals a day, and she had to prepare for from 10 to 15 every time. And she'd have a good hot meal and sit down at the table to pray, and that was a mistake. Now, if God didn't begin to fall right there at the table, first thing you know, everybody was pushing their chairs back out of here, getting down on their knees. About an hour later, we had a good cold meal. They did it all in Jesus' name. I remember the last service one of our old pioneers was in, the very last service. I happened to be there, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Bob Howard was the pastor. Old brother W.H. Lyon walked in. He had a long, thick spell, and there was skin and bones, and one daughter on one side, and and somebody else on the other, and set him down on a bench in the corner of the church there. And Brother Howard said, "We're glad to have Brother Lyon here. We've got to hear a testimony." They helped him to his feet with a trembling body and voice quivering. He, instead of testifying, he began to sing that old song, How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord. He trembled and his voice quivered as he shook, as he sung, but you had the feeling, you had the feeling, here is somebody that's on a good, solid foundation. That was his last service. But all those years, he had been building that foundation, waiting for that last moment. Praise God. My old dad, the last words he said to me, Son, if, I, if this is the hour, I want you to know that my heart is pure and I'm ready to meet God. He walked out of a restaurant ahead of everybody else, sat down in the back seat of the car, put his glasses in his pocket and his hat on the seat beside him, leaned his head against the back of the seat. And about that time, the fiery chair of the Lord swooped down and picked him up. And when they got to the car, they said, why did you get in the back seat? But there was no answer. He was already in the front seat somebody, somewhere else. Those fellas lived it. Those men loved it. They ate it. They slept it. They lived in the Spirit. Their attitude was, give me more souls. Give me more of Jesus. Let me love the lost. Let me call on the hands and knees. Let me do something before the sun goes down. God, help me to revive. Drip 
way. And the laugh of the tears would dip our hearts that way. And the laugh of souls would dip our hearts that way. We would not count our lives dear unto ourselves, but we want to finish our course with joy and the ministry which God has given us. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My mind's going 50,000 miles an hour right now. I'm going way back in the past. I'm thinking of all those revival days. I'm thinking of the mighty moves of the past. I'm thinking about that revival where an angel walked in the brush arbor. You say, oh, you believe in that? You better believe I believe in it. Amen. I think we've had a lot of them. We just couldn't see them. Probably some here tonight. Hallelujah. And in that old brush arbor, we got the gasoline lanterns together. One young preacher took him to the little schoolhouse right next to it. And uh, said he felt a strange feeling. Hastened his steps to get out of there. It was something he couldn't explain. Seven people in the car waiting on him. They looked over his shoulder and they saw a tall, bright angel walking right behind him. Walked right into that brush arbor that my dad had put up. An old rough pulpit he had built. The benches were split logs. The floor was sawdust. He stood behind that pulpit and they were in the car watching. Raised his hands out over those empty benches. Stood there for a moment and then skimmed across the top of those old rough benches and disappeared. Do you think those folks could sleep that night? They got in the car and went up and down those old dusty roads, waking up people in the middle of the night. We saw an angel at that holy roller meeting. There's a lot of folks that hadn't planned to go, but after that, you couldn't keep them away. They came to the droves. The next night, the grounds were covered with people. All around, 96, 96 brand new people received the Holy Ghost. Thank God. I believe in revival. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't ever remember in all of the shouting, and you talk about Louisiana camp meeting shouting, those old brush arbors had shouting like you've never seen or heard. I have never heard of one ever falling on a baby, sleeping on a pallet, or stepping on one. I've heard them say they'd fall to the ground, and in the middle of the air, God would just move their bodies over and gently lay them down so they wouldn't fall on a baby. I believe in that because I believe in the power of the name of Jesus. Glory! Don't you love him tonight? Aren't you glad you're a child of God? Listen, folks, we're going somewhere. We're on our way to a better world than this. We're going somewhere. We have an experience that God has done great things for us. He has visited his people and he's visiting us tonight. He's challenging our hearts in these last days to be Pentecost at any 
with all of our heart and soul and mind. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Oh, I love Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love him, don't you? I've got about four pages of notes left, but I'm going to quit. Let's stand together. Thank God I want you to lift your hands and begin to love and worship God and praise him that you're a part of this thing. Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Glory Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. The devil hates the name of Jesus because even when he was in the grave, he walked right up to the devil and said, let me have the key. Do I have to give him up? Give him here. Give him here. He took the keys out of his hat. He was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him. The grave could not hold him. He lives, and he's real, and he's powerful, and he's wonderful, and his name is glorious. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Keep all the praising, keep all the loving, keep all the shouting, keep all the rejoicing. Hallelujah. We love all that all of us come out of our hearts. Glory to God. Amen.